Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Utah Jazz coming off a disappointing loss to the Pelicans, getting ready for a game with the Sixers, their last game before the All-Star break. PK and I with Big T, Thurl Bailey, right here on 97.5 at 12.80 The Zone. Big T, good morning. Good morning, guys. What's going on? Big T, man, you are big time going up to the state capitol, getting honored for all your service and good works in the community. You're the man, Big T. Well, it was nice. It was nice to be recognized. I mean, you know, it, we. That's not why we do things, but it's it's always nice to know that people are watching and listening, and then we're in a great community as well to be able to to uh, to emulate a lot of what's going on in this community already. So, thanks. Yeah, I've always been amazed on how you've always had time for everybody. I've seen it. The only time you didn't have time for somebody was when some (laughs) little dude uh, was in a store in Michigan after the Michigan BYU football game, I think it was. He tapped you on the shoulder, and you looked around and said, what do you want? Remember that one? Uh, You know, I don't really recollect that. Yeah. I'm trying to remember. <laughs> wow, you got a great memory, PK. Uh, Is there any that chance? Was me. Yeah, I was going to say, any chance the little guy was PK? Of course it was. Because that's really the only person you drop. <laughs> what do you want on? <laughs> I think I actually. He scared me. I just kind of well. went away. Security. <laughs> Yeah, I think you were there on a recruiting trip for your son, if I remember correctly. I was, yeah. And I, and I was covering the game. That was kind of funny. I actually heard you on uh, NBA radio uh, a couple of weeks back. I mean, the Jazz are just getting so much attention here as far as what we've got going with them. And obviously, you being one of the broadcasters, people are going to come at you as far as that goes. How do you think the players handling all this stuff? And there's some deal as far as, well, you know, maybe they're not getting the respect. Is that anything that you would be concerned about and should the players be concerned about? No, I don't think you're ever concerned. I mean, you know this. I mean, I think it's it's been that way for this this market or this organization, even in, in you know, in winning years in the Malone-Stockton era. Um, you know, the respect had to be earned. And I think even in, at this position right now, there are a lot of people out there that, that aren't really sure if the Jazz are the real deal or not. I mean, they got a small sample size and it got bigger and bigger and bigger. And um, But this is a really, really good team. And it, it's not just about, I mean, we see them a lot, you know, outside of, of, of Jazz Nation. You know, people are, have their other teams that they root for and their favorites. But there is no question that the Jazz have really been tested uh, in, in this first half. And they, they've, they've won different ways. Although they do make the three-point shot a big part of what they do, uh, when the shot's not going well, they, they found other ways to win or they found ways to stay in games. Uh, and have a chance to to win. But occasionally, they don't seem to want to defend. And they've got a great record right now, but they are 2-4 and when they give up more than 120 points. 
So the obvious answer would be quit giving up more than 120 points. Now, you can speak to getting worn down and it's their game in four days. But uh, PK and I were really pumping them up when they played three and four days and ground out a win in Indiana after a back-to-back down in, I think, Atlanta and Charlotte. And they didn't have the energy, and they found a way to push through it. And then watching them play the Pelicans, they didn't have the energy, but they didn't, they didn't find that sense of urgency the last three minutes, and so they weren't able to push through it. How much do you write off to, hey, it happens? And how much do you write off to, hey, it happens to a lot of teams in the NBA, but if you want to be a champion, it shouldn't be happening to you, and it can't be happening to you. You've got to find a way to push through it, just the way you're going to have to push through tough times in the playoffs. Well, DJ, you know me. I don't. I don't like using that that excuse, um, and, and I, I'm sure they don't either. Listen, every team has to go through it. Every team gets tired. It's just humanly impossible not to have fatigue uh, when you're traveling, uh, when you're playing a lot of games. Um, sometimes it's a collective fatigue, but other times it's individual fatigue, like impact players that that uh, may be feeling it. The other thing is, is there are other good teams in this league. You know, their record, New Orleans is a good team. Their record doesn't indicate that, but, you know, they're nice. They're going to put together a really good game. And and whatever you try to do defensively, um, you know, it's you're going to have slow starts. You're going to have dips. You have bad third quarters. Uh, I, I think the positive thing, if I had to pull something out from, yesterday's game was the fight even even with the fatigue there was some fight you're down 17 you bring it back within one so you've got an opportunity and that's a lot of times it's what you ask for is an opportunity to win but i get what you're saying if you want to be one of those next level teams in the finals and and possibility to to win a championship there's certain things that you cannot allow and um, it's not going to happen every night but there's certain teams that, on paper, you you know you've got to really, you've got to have strong starts. You can't have a lull. You can't, you know, you can't allow that team to go on a, you know, a, 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 a significant run without you answering back right away. So Jazz got caught in that last night. You heard Quinn Snyder talk about things that they didn't do well. They didn't defend. Uh, that's a collective effort as well. With Mike Conley out, Joe Ingles really flourishes. In fact, they're seven and zero without without Conley, if I remember correctly. And then against the Pelicans, with Conley's obviously back, uh, Joel's not near the same player. Now, obviously, the ability is there. What can be done to get more out of Joe in the role when Conley's playing? Well, I think there's you know you're asking a player to to be in a different role. Uh, when that player goes, when Joe goes back to the bench, his role has changed. And, and a lot of times the people you're playing with on the court changes, right? Maybe you don't have as many pick and roll opportunities with Rudy um, on the bench as, as when you started, you know, you're trying to find something in that first quarter that works. And maybe that that's it for net for, you know, for a certain game. But, um, and it's not that Joe can't give more. I think, you know, it, as a guy who came off the bench pretty much most of his career and you're thrown in the lineup, um, you just got to make those adjustments. Joe's been around long enough that, that he can be as aggressive offensively uh, coming off the bench as he does starting. But that, that, I think that's 
some of that is a lineup thing as well because when you have Joe in there, you have JC in there as well, Jordan Clarkson, then your offense is going to be set up a little differently. Um, you know, you may not be the primary ball handler a lot of times or, or the guy with the ball in his hand as, as the shot clock's running down. So you know, I think it's really incumbent upon Joe to, to try to be as forceful you know, and, and take some risk as well on the offensive end. But, yeah, it's, it's a different place to be. It's a different role that you're asking a guy to do um, coming out of the shoot based, um, you know, based upon what you need that first quarter to look like. Uh, so, you know, a lot of that's on gel, but some of it is, is based on the different lineups. I think you're smart. And you know why people say that? Thank you. <laughs> I think you're smart too, PK, but I was talking to Thurl in this situation. Oh, okay. uh-huh. But usually, I find that people say someone is smart when someone unexpectedly shares an opinion that aligns with their own opinion. And I think, well, you're smart because I'm smart because I figured out the truth. And Well, you figured out the truth too, so you must be smart. But I really think there's a lot of truth to if you're on the floor with Jordan Clarkson and he's doing his thing. Joe's going to be a decoy in the corner. Well, not necessarily a decoy, but Joe's going to be in the corner. But they're never going to leave Joe because he shot the three too well for too many years. And even if players are going to only semi-absorb the scouting report, they know that because they played against him in previous years and seen him do it. So they're not leaving him. So Joe's going to start getting a lot of zeros across the box score because he's standing in the corner. And you don't get an assist over there. You're not going to get a shot over there. And you're probably not getting a rebound over there. And so Joe's production is going to change dramatically, and Clarkson's efficient enough and effective enough. I don't know how much I'd want to mess with that, because clearly what he's doing is working. Um, So does it just come down to the Jazz are so deep that there's always going to be someone who isn't going to be as statistically productive as they could be? Or is there some way, you played on a lot of teams for a lot of coaches, is there some way to massage that over time? See, you're smart, too. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Thurl. Thank you, PK. PK's getting in on this cake. I don't know how, yeah. but he's getting a piece of this. That chocolate cake looks good. I'm getting in on this. <laughs> well, I think that's, that's kind of the beauty of, of who the Jazz are, and it also kind of hurts them on, on, on certain nights as well because teams are going to, when they scout the Jazz, man, what, do you, what do you really focus on taking away? You want to take away Rudy's dive to the basket so he can't get lobs. Um, you want to try to take away the pick and roll. Well, you've got to guard something. Um, and some nights it works with teams, but the Jazz have so many options in the flow of what they do. Um, just like, you know, I talked about big game yesterday. You know, Bogey hasn't had a 20-point game in a while. Uh, you know, I, I feel like it's time for him to, to kind of step up. And, and sure enough, the opportunity happened early in the game because the other team's thinking, well, you know, Bogey hasn't necessarily shot it great. He's had some good games. So what do you want to take away? You want to take away Rudy's ability to get to the rim. Uh, you know, you want to take away the three-point shot. So, yeah, I mean, I think in general, in general, guys, what the Jazz, the Jazz are read and react team. Right, so there's not one or two guys. Who, I think I think that's sometimes why Donovan doesn't get a great start 
in a lot of games as you look at the scoring side of it. And it's not because teams are taking it away as much as, you know, it's it's his ability to see what's open for him and not try to, you know, to to push the envelope until, you know, he knows that, you know, he's got to pick it up a little bit. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think we talk about a different – we either talk about a different guy kind of coming through every night or multiple guys. You know, you see six, seven guys in double figures. Um you know that when Mike Conley's out, somebody else is going to take up that role, Royce O'Neal, maybe offensively. So, yeah, there's so many dynamics to to what's going on. It's just amazing that Coach Quinn Snyder's head doesn't explode because and that's a lot to sell to a bunch of guys, but it works. I hate to overemphasize any singular game. Uh, now, with that in mind, I'm going to probably do it and ask you about it as far as the Philly game because it's the last game before they have nine days off, and if they lose, they'd go one and three on the trip, blah, blah, blah. How much importance do you put into this singular game, Philadelphia, which is obviously a contender in the East? Uh, I put a lot of significance on it um, because, you know, we joke, and, and EJ knows this, about having your bags packed. Hmm. Um, you know, it's the all-star, the break's coming up. And, you know, Coach Sloan used to talk about that all the time, about you, know, you can't have your bag packs yet. We have, we've got work to do. And you've t- you're talking about the top two teams in, in each conference. So it's I, I think it's, especially with both teams being relatively healthy with their impact players, Embiid didn't play the last game. And, um so I think it's really, really important for the Jazz to end on on a very, very positive note, a win against a great team that's, that's uh, competing as well uh, for championship. And so uh, Jazz have historically, especially this season, been a pretty good bounce-back team. Uh, they've won a lot of games, and this, the, the, the game they lost last night, probably hurt a little, little bit more because um, you know they had to put so much work into trying to get back into it but I, I put a lot of significance on it PK because being in that position you want to prove that you're worthy of, of you know being in that top spot and so you win this game I think there's some automatic respect you're going to get uh, from people outside of that that jazz the jazz world maybe maybe Shaq maybe Shaq will give him more respect who knows yeah there you go no you and I both know the answer to that is no Well, Big T, we got to let you run. I just want to say that uh, I don't know if you're the most patient person I've ever seen because I've seen Ron Boone be incredibly patient when I would have lost my top. But I did see you sign autographs. Uh, Pace and I would just go out to the set and watch games, and you would sign autographs late into the first quarter, once or twice, maybe into the second quarter. And I wasn't here, and neither were PKs, but we've watched enough sports. We can probably kind of fill in the gaps and, and largely guess why you're so popular with people after so many years, but uh, it does take a lot of patience, and that isn't as always as easy as you make it look, so I'm glad somebody more important than PK and I gave you a little tip of the cap there, so good for you. <laughs> well, it's, it's, uh, it's an honor coming from you guys. I appreciate it. But uh, 
Hey, you guys, you guys do a great job, man. I appreciate you having me on the show, and um, it's 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 just always nice to. It's good to be in a place where you know your team's winning and getting some more respect, and uh, you're just part of a part of something that's you know we haven't seen for a while. So, uh, you know, give me a call tomorrow. I've got some other stuff for you. <laughs> we got All Star break coming up. Be careful what you wish for. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Don't call me. My bad. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Thurl. See you guys. DJ PK there is Big T Thurl Bailey. When we come back, Derek Bodner. He writes for The Athletic. He is with uh, the Philadelphia version of The Athletic. He covers the 76ers. He's coming up next. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280, The Zone. Time to check in with a guy who covers the 76ers for the athletic it's the jazz and the sixers tonight here's derek bodner on the sixers beat derek good morning good morning derek i'm curious uh how the people in philly are feeling about the sixers and how much it parallels what we're seeing here with the jazz best record in the conference but you got a bigger market it's more glamorous, and they've got a they sign a Hall of Famer who helps recruit all stars, and now you got a super team, and everybody's drooling over them. Uh, the Jazz definitely feel overlooked. Do the Sixers and their fans feel overlooked by what's going on with the Nets and all the hype they're getting, or no? Well, you know that that's interesting. I would say a lot of Sixers fans are probably still a little bit. They're not a hundred percent bought in. I don't think. Um, mm. I think maybe the Sixers fans might be the ones doing the overlooking. Uh, because this is a team that, uh, you know, during the Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid era has not advanced beyond the second round of the playoffs. Uh, a lot of pe- fans, I think, feel like once they get in the playoffs, some of their deficiencies will show. There's a little bit of a prove-it-to-me-in-the-playoff sort of vibe with a lot of fans with this team, um, which probably comes with just not having had that kind of success here, either in recent or really in a pretty extended period of their history. Uh, so I think there's still a little bit of a wait-and-see approach to this team. I think everybody has sort of recognized the jump that Joel Embiid has taken and how important that is. But I think a lot of people also feel like they might be a year away before they really contend because there's still a little bit of work on the edges of this roster uh, that I think that needs to be happened before um, you know people really buy into them as an NBA Finals contender. Out here in the West, everybody focuses on the Lakers, right? And and probably, too, in, in the country because they're just that big. And when I look at the Sixers, I wonder if they're sort of a, a knockoff version of the Lakers, meaning that they've got two big-time players at the top, and then you hope that the rest of the roster can fill in. And you just go back as recently as the Indiana game, and you got Milton and Corkmaz, guys I had to look up after I looked at the box score, combining for like 45, 46 points, whatever it was, against the Pacers. Do you see sort of some semblance in terms of the two big guys like the Lakers have and then hope that you get contributions from the other guys? Yeah, yeah, and I I think that's entirely fair. Uh, You know, I would sort of throw Tobias Harris in there as a third player who's maybe a little more reliable. Um, 
make it more of a three, not a true big three, because I don't think Tobias Harris is that good. But certainly I think there's a sense that the, like I said, the pieces around them aren't quite up there yet. Uh, and certainly when you start looking at the bench, I actually think uh, Shake Milton is a pretty good young player, I'm not a, you know, not a future 20 points per game scorer, but I think he's a legitimate rotation player. But once you get behind him on the bench, there just isn't all that much in terms of reliable talent. Um, and I think that is a, a, a pretty big concern. You know, the obvious difference between the Lakers and the Sixers is the Lakers have proven it. Uh, LeBron James, the most decorated playoff performer of this era, uh, have proven it in the postseason, whereas the Sixers have not. Uh, and I think that's, that's where a lot of skepticism comes in. I think a lot of people look at it like it's tough to build a, a playoff-style offense around a post-up score, even as uniquely talented as Joel Embiid is. And there's just a lack of perimeter shot creation that I think I think some people need to you know, see whether or not it can work in the playoffs uh, and there are legitimate concerns. So, yeah, I think that's sort of like the blueprint, um, but a, a lower-rent version of the blueprint for sure. So in the win Monday, uh, Korkmaz is one of the guys who comes in off the bench and goes nuts. And I'm thinking, how come this guy didn't make an impression on me when I was watching the Jazz-Philly game in Utah? And I went back and looked at the box score and saw 0 for 5 in 21 minutes. Um, when you see some of these guys, how much of these – and he's still a young guy. He's 23. How invested are the Sixers in some of these – parts around the edges that you talk about and it's a case of giving them a year or two to get better and how much uh, could they be making moves at the deadline and making moves in the offseason and still getting the right guys? Oh, if we know one thing about Daryl Morey, it's that he's going to make moves. <laughs> um, you know, I, look, I, I think it depends on the player you're talking about. I think they're invested in Tyrese Maxey, uh, the point guard out of Kentucky they took with the 21st pick in the draft last year or a couple months ago. I think they're invested in Jake Milton a guy who's under a really team-friendly contract for three more years uh, that they have brought up. He was a, a two-way player, at least second-round pick, who has shown a lot. I think they're invested in him. Korkmaz, I think, probably a little less. So, you know, he had a good year last year. They drafted him. He came into the league as a shooter, struggled from the perimeter of the first two years, and shot the ball really well last year and ended rotation and has taken a huge step back. When his jumper is not falling, he just provides them with pretty much nothing else on the floor. Uh, so he has been tough to, I think, find consistent minutes for. Um, so it, it depends on a lot of these people. Like if the, their bench is a lot of young players. I think they have a lot of players you throw Matisse Bible into that mix as well as a um, you know really unique defensive prospect who can impact the game in a multitude of ways, but is a almost complete zero offensively. So they have sort of like these flawed young players who they're invested in, but who aren't really quite ready to compete at a uh, playoff level. Uh, yeah, I think they're going to be aggressive in making moves. I think Daryl Morey you know, has shown that he will trade draft picks, he will trade young players when he has a team that he thinks is close to competing for a title. He did that time and time again in, in Houston. Uh, he feels like he can replace those young players and draft picks with smart moves down the line. I think he's going to look at it and say this is an MVP caliber season from Joel Embiid. We don't think this roster around him is good enough, and I think he's going to be aggressive to try to take advantage of that. When's Tobias Harris going to be back? Yeah, the, Doc Rivers was talking about that, and then Harris is out with a, a knee contusion. Uh, Rivers was talking earlier in the or yesterday after the game, uh, which feels like earlier in the day because days overlap now. Uh, but he was talking about he might try to play again uh, Wednesday night in, uh, in in the game against you guys. I don't know if I would do that, especially with a knee. Like you've got one more game, and then you've got a you know seven day break for the All Star game. Give Harris off. Let that knee rest. That's what I would do. 
But it sounds like Doc Rivers is hopeful that he will be back for Wednesday's game, which Derek Bodner joining us. He's senior writer for The Athletic of Philadelphia, covering the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, when you look at Doc Rivers and you know how he's changed his club, his fingerprints on it, where, where do you see the impact? I would say mostly not X's and O's, not anything in that sort, just night in, night out consistency. Uh, that was one thing that really plagued this team, the effort level and the focus, especially last year. Uh, previous years was pretty good, but last year was – a real struggle in night-to-night consistency. Uh, that is something they have had this year. By and large, you can look through Joel Embiid, or you can look through Ben Simmons. They bring it every night. And maybe the box score isn't perfect every night, but effort level and focus is there. And I think that is something that was lacking last year. I think that has been a big reason why they have the best record in the Eastern Conference. And uh, that is what I think has been his, his biggest impact so far. As far as coming out of the East to get to the NBA Finals, do you see anybody besides either the Nets or Sixers? I mean, the Bucks. I think. You know, I think the Bucks still have a lot of talent. I think Giannis, when he's at the top of his game, could still be the best player in the Eastern Conference. Uh, probably is the best player in the Eastern Conference. And I think that team, you know, they've been playing a lot recently without Drew Holiday, who had that extensive time off with the health and safety protocols. Uh, but when they are at full strength, and I don't think they have the depth that they had in previous years, but when they're at full strength, I think they're still a, a very tough team. I think they probably have the best net rating in the Eastern Conference right now. Uh, I think they're right up there with the Sixers in the Nets for sure. So there is, uh, on this side of the country, there are plenty of Jazz fans who are thinking, hey, hold on to this one seed and let the Lakers and Clippers meet in the second round. No reason to have to draw those guys in back-to-back rounds. That sounds like a humongous task. One of them will be tough enough. Uh, is that how the Sixers are looking at the top spot in the East or no? Yeah, no, I think they certainly are. Uh, and I think there is a, a big benefit to not having to go through two of Milwaukee and Brooklyn to get there. The concern, though, is that in order to do that, you're going to have to play your own beat, especially, I mean, this second half of the season, I think they play uh, you know, something like 36 games in 66 days or something like that. It's a very condensed schedule, and you've got a big man in Embiid, who, first of all, has just never played night every game night in and night out. And he's, also, he's also got you know, he's got an ankle injury, he's got a lower back injury, he's had his share of knee injury throughout the course of his career. I think there is concern that in order to challenge for that one seed, especially with the way Brooklyn's playing, I think they've won, what, 9 out of 10 now, something like that. With the way I think Milwaukee is going to play in the second half, you're going to need Joel Embiid to play 34 out of 36, or all, maybe all 36 in order to have a chance, and that might come at the expense of him being at the top of his game for the playoffs. So I think it's a tough balancing act for the Sixers. You know, I think Joel Embiid wants to come in and play night in and night out, in part because I think he wants a number one seed, but in part because I think he wants to prove that he is a every-game kind of player. Uh, but I do think there is some risk to doing that. So it will be really interesting to see how they balance that out because it is a little bit at odds with each other, those two goals. Rudy Gobert's got a lot of run for a defensive player of the year. He won it twice and recognizes one of the better ones, if not the best one. You think Embiid will view this as somewhat of a big game and a slew of games? Oh, he always he always does. Um, he, he, just, he just played the other night, last night, against Miles Turner. Uh, and he, he said it right out of in his post-game press conference that, like, that is a defensive player of the year candidate, and I wanted to take it to him. And Joel Embiid has always had success against Miles Turner, and the six, or the Pacers spent all night double-teaming him, and he, he passed well out of that, and he, he really controlled the game. But there is no doubt in my mind he will look at, at this matchup with Gobert uh, as a chance to prove um, you know, his status in the league. He takes those big-man matchups personally. So I was a little surprised he missed the previous game against these two teams. But yeah, I think, uh, I think he will be... 
gunning for Gobert and, and, and really revel in the match. As much as I've asked you about seeding and playoff and all that, uh, when you step back and look at the entire league, if the Lakers are healthy, is everybody chasing the defending champs? Yeah, I think I think they're the best team in the league. Um, you know, I, it's certainly the one that when you get to the playoffs and you ask me which one do I have the most confidence in, uh, I mean, they've just they've accomplished so much and Le- LeBron's accomplished so much. And quite frankly, that two-man tandem between LeBron and Anthony Davis is so perfectly built to play off of each other's strength that I think they make the most sense. Uh, and, you know, I say that as a person covering the team with the best record in the East, talking to you guys with the best record in the NBA, uh, when the playoffs come around, it's still, to me, a LeBron league. And, yeah, I, I think if they're playing at their best, it's going to be tough for, tough for anyone. Derek, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for hopping on with us and uh, giving us a look ahead to the Sixers and the Jazz. Yep, my pleasure. There's Derek Bodner. He covers the Sixers for The Athletic. When we come back, former Utah wide receivers coach Guy Holiday. What went down at the end? Why is he out? How does he feel about that? And what are his plans going forward? Stay with us. He's coming up next. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We are joined now by Guy Holiday, the former University of Utah receivers coach. Before that, BYU receivers coach. A lot of you have uh, rooted for him and his players and his teams over the years. Guy, good morning. Welcome back to the show. Good morning. How's it going? Uh, It's going okay for us. I guess we're curious about how it's going for you. Job changes are always hard, and you are suddenly going through one, at least suddenly to us. Maybe you saw it coming. Uh, yeah, it's pretty sudden. and uh, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm not disappointed because that, I, you know me, I speak my mind. Um, you know, it's a situation where it's, it's been just a, a hard year as far as everybody thinks about COVID. But I go all the way back to having a, a receiver arrested and, and those things. And, you know, a lot of people, they, they uh, get into the game for – you know, winning championships and all those things are important. But for me, it's about people. So when you when you go through that, you're going through it. Um, at least me, I can't throw away a a person, a young person. I, I just can't do it. And um, you know, if if things come out for that person or any other person, and you know, you feel for for the victims of um, who experienced it, and, and you know, but you have to believe in in that person and then you take that and you go through COVID and then uh for me that was that was a it was a challenge I um I had uh, a couple positive tests here and there um but it really didn't come out to be anything uh but it drained me so I I was drained I was tired and went through another player who um you know decided to leave and come back and under uh, certain circumstances, and then obviously two players that left. That was one was really crushing to me uh, as a person because I've known the family for for so long, and uh, so it was um, 
you know, when him, when uh, Coach and I sat down, it was, I understood it. I Believe me, I understood it because, you know, in this this game, the ultimate deal is to, to win. Well, you know, I had a chance to go to the NFL last year to two different teams, and, you know, I, I'm not a, I don't like the business side of this as far as when you deal with young people. And, uh, and I think we're in a, a, um, a very interesting and tragic time as far as uh, college sports, you know, the open transfer policy and, you know, and uh, things like that. So now we have so many people involved with uh, college athletes, uh, the people on the outside. And, and at, at the end of the day, you know, with um, – what it all comes down to, whether we like it or not, we want kids that want to win championships, but we recruit kids that want to get to the NFL. So, um, you know, based on that, your production is everything. And, um, you know, these guys want to essentially be more productive, and, and I understand that. And, you know, um, both of them are going to have degrees, and that's my job, to get them here, get a degree, and, uh and do the best I can for him. And I think I did that. But I, I want to clear the air as far as I've always said, I speak for myself. I mean, the University of Utah, um, they've been good to me. Okay, so me leaving there and everybody, you know, needs to know that they're taking care of me. This is not that, hey, they kick. No, they're doing some, uh, doing some things right by me, which I appreciate. I appreciate Mark Holland and um, – I appreciate the opportunity that, that uh, Whit gave me. And uh, we had a great relationship and still do. You know, it's just um, you got to make tough decisions and, and do tough things. And some people say, well, oh, it was his coaching or this. And anybody that knows me, measure me by my players. Don't measure me by what you think. And uh, I got enough texts. And this part makes me emotional because I got enough texts, enough phone calls from former players and current players that told me I did the right thing. I did it right. And that's all that matters. What every fan thinks, no, I don't, I don't do this for fans. I don't do this for fanfare. Uh, I love my players. And at the end of the day, Anybody that knows me knows that's the most important thing. And that's how I weigh it out. And so I did my job. And, um, man, I wanted to win a championship at Utah. Uh, you know, won't get that opportunity, but we, there may be some things on the horizon uh, at the university possibly. There are some other things that I'm looking at outside of the game. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, most people think that in today's college football, you have to be a certain age or to have a certain amount of energy or, you know, but at the end of the day, man, it's about people. It's about people. And uh, I did the right thing by people. You know, the other thing that I'll add, I know, you know, this came about because of, uh, um, I guess, a tweet my son put out. And one, one thing I want everybody here to understand I've been doing this uh, for 27 years. I've been in this game since I was seven. Uh, so if you do the math, that's a long freaking time. <laughs> that's that's a half a century. So you raise your kids in this environment, and uh, you know they see how hard you work at it. They see what you do. They know what you feel, and 
you know, I, I, um, I don't say my son is, uh, I don't banish him for what he did. He has a right to speak an opinion. We're in a, in a society right now where things are very separated and, uh, we fail to realize it. We, we just ignore it. And, um, you know, my one son, I had, uh, uh, to go to school here in Utah and one experience being stopped by the police on two, three different occasions and being handcuffed just because he was black. You know, not that he was doing anything wrong, but just a routine stop. And, you know, that, that takes its toll on a young person. And, and we fail to realize it because we don't experience it. Um, you know, he has since removed, because I told him to remove it, he's still my son. Uh, and uh, but I, I want everybody to know I have the utmost respect uh, for the outgoing President Watkins. We had a lot of deep talks. I have the utmost respect for Mark Harlan, uh, for Wit, the University of Utah. Period. I, I don't hold grudges. You know that's not me. Um, you know I'm going to. If I thought that I was leaving, people always ask, I just closed on another house here, uh, January, about 27th, so I had no idea. Um, and this is, um, you know, this is just the way things worked out. And it's not, no one, I'm not going to be bitter. It's not about that. Um, it's more about me uh, knowing that I did the right thing by players. And that's more important to me than winning a football game. And, and this day and time and athletics, that's not what's important uh, to to some people. Uh, you know, to the fans, it's about winning championships. Well, these kids have lives. And so that's why I stayed at, at Utah. I've had, you know, two different opportunities to leave. I'm a very loyal person. I could have went back east to a school uh, where I grew up. And um, and obviously I just mentioned the, the two opportunities last, last year. But it's it's not about that for me. So what I want people to understand is don't hold it against a person because of their experiences, you know, and, and I'm, I'm speaking um, in reference to my family because that's my family, you know, and they're going to defend me regardless. And I wouldn't expect anything different because I'm going to defend them. And uh, that's how we do things as a family, and that's why it's called family. Yeah, for sure. I mean, people are emotional, particularly in certain instances when it comes to family. I think, Coach, quite frankly, for me, I don't know that I'm in the position to evaluate you as a receivers coach. I don't really have any expertise on that. But doing you know, going back to our time at BYU and then at Utah, if I evaluate you as a man, I give you the highest grade possible because I think that much of you and you've proven that as far as that goes. And you've just done with this uh, answer that you've just given. You've, again, exemplified who you are. And that's that's the most important, as you say. And I agree with that 100%. As far as football, was it simply a lack of production from the receivers, or did he get a specific reason why they needed to make a change? No, and I, I don't think um, I don't think that's that's it. Like I told you, I, I go back to more of the things that uh, took a lot out of me. I mean, uh, which adds up, which in the end will 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 add up. I mean, uh, when I look at the guys that left. Uh, in particular, I mean, health played such a huge part in them. And, um, you know, we, we can all sit around and debate how much production was there. I mean, and I can go back to having, 
been with players that had great production, whether it's a Darren Carrington or Tim Patrick. I think, uh, you know, we had guys two years ago catch 36. And, and you know, all that. So you have to operate within the offense. And, and, and at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's still about winning. You know, the game is still about winning. But what we have developed in our society is a me attitude. And the most me position on the field, whether we like it or not, is the receiver. And uh, you see it in the NFL. You see it uh, now in college. I mean, I know of an instance where a high school player who was committed to a top power five school walked into his high school coach's office and said, I need to ball more. I'm transferring. You know, this is this is what we are developing. And we're doing it because we um, – we live in we live in a uh, a world a society in the United States where we reward athleticism and ignore character, and so these kids aren't being rewarded for the men that they are. They're being rewarded because of the athlete that they are, and there's a uh, there's a major issue. Uh, so for me, uh, and again, the most important part for me is the player, uh, the person. And then the player will thrive because of the person that he is. Um, I think we had some guys make some questionable decisions. And, uh, sure, that leads up to it because that's called, you know, you're responsible for your players both on and off the field. A lot of people don't understand that. They may say, well, that's not right. Well, that's what you signed up for. And at the University of Utah, it's – it is a key component because of the the, – the world we bring these kids into you you have to realize uh and people i don't want anybody from salt lake city or or utah or utah county or anywhere else to be insulted by this but this the state in which we live in is very unique it is um obviously heavily influenced by the lds church um the government interaction with the church is evident and um, which is fine because it creates a great atmosphere of family and those things, but you're bringing young people in. Um, that's, not, that's not their lifestyle. That's not how they lived. And then you want them to conform to uh, a very idealistic lifestyle that uh, many of them just can't uphold and uh, are criticized for it because they're just normal people. I mean, the things that I look at in this city, and I I love Salt Lake City. It's been one of the best places I live. In my opinion, it is a city of extremes. The uh, homelessness, the drug abuse is extreme. And on the other side, uh, the religious aspect of it and the righteousness can be extreme. And uh, so... I think there's a middle ground there. I've always believed that. I respect any person, regardless of their race or, or religion. That's important to me. Uh, I worked at BYU. We all know that. And I didn't have a, a problem uh, speaking my point of view on what I thought was wrong or right, but yet adhering to um, the policy. And But I'm a grown, as my other son would say, I'm a grown-ass man. <laughs> You know, I, I can I can handle it, but you're bringing in young people who don't really understand the dynamics of it. And then when you intermingle 
young men with women who've been raised in that culture and not really understanding how that works, um, it's a challenge. It is a challenge. And, uh, but, you know, if anybody wants me to bash the universe, and you get an opportunity, that's all you ask for. And uh, if there's another opportunity out there for me in coaching and, and uh, it happens for me, I'll be fortunate to have that opportunity. Uh, you know, I'm not – I don't want anybody to think. The only thing that matters to me at the end of the day is that I do right by my players. Uh, if people want to judge my coaching record and what I've done, look at the statistics. Look at the statistics of the players I've coached. Look at, look at you know, and um, what I did uh, in, in, in Provo. I think that speaks for itself. And what I did coming into University of Utah, I think – I think it speaks for itself everywhere I've been. I stand by my record, you know. That doesn't matter. That doesn't mean that at some point you may have stayed somewhere too long because that's the business. That's the nature of our business, um, you know. And it just all at, at the end of the day, what all this means is we want to win a championship. And at this point, I think you've gotten us as far as we can go. We need to make a change. That's all it is. Nothing more, nothing less. And and honestly, with where I was health-wise, it, it, it wasn't a fight for me. Um, and recovering, uh, you know, mentally and those things, it wasn't, wasn't something I wanted to sit there and argue and, and present facts. It was, you know, uh, it's what uh, Coach at that time, that when he made decisions, felt that was right. It's his program, and he has that right. And I respect him for that because he also had the right to hire me, and he did that. And that was his his decision at that time. So it's um, – man, I, I love the university. I love the state of Utah. Uh, I've worked at the two major universities, and I've had positive experiences at both. Well, Guy, we know you've got to uh, we got to go. you got a plane to catch and all that. Uh, we appreciate your time. We've always appreciated talking to you, whether it was on the practice field, on the phone this summer, had a great conversation. I really appreciated you coming on, and we appreciate you coming on now. We'll, we'll follow wherever you go, and uh, best wishes and, and hope for a lot of success for you down the road. Well, I appreciate that. I will probably uh, – we'll see what next year holds, but my intention right now is to spend some time with a uh, – with a family that hadn't seen me in 27 years. So uh, maybe get get back and, and really reconnect with what's important. And, uh, you know, you go, you go 27 years of raising other people's kids, you know, and so you need to spend some time with your own and uh, all of mine out. But we're on our way. Uh, I'm going to be in Miami, and I'm going to enjoy uh, – um, enjoy things there. I don't want anybody to worry or feel bad for me or feel sorry. No, no, man. This, this is, uh, if you know me, you know I have a plan. It all work out in the end. And uh, we'll see if that includes football. That may include a, another phase of life. I'm not quite sure yet. But uh, I want uh, both people from both schools to understand it. I was never a hater of either. Uh, I'm a lover of both, and I think they both serve a purpose. And um, I just want to let people know I really appreciate everything that both universities have done for me. And, and um, you know, this last minute with the University of Utah, hopefully it won't be my last in, in Utah. Uh, 
time will tell, and uh, we'll see. But I really appreciate you all having me on, and it's always a pleasure. There's Guy Holiday. Thanks to him for coming on. We really appreciate it. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us.